0: Music. It soothes the savage beast, but does it soothe the randy savage? I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. It's fine. The point is this. Music is a big part of pro wrestling. It's an art form that depends on thousands of strangers grasping the character traits of performers they can't all be expected to know. And after all, every wrestling show is someone's first wrestling show. Theme music, along with costuming, provides a vital kind of shorthand that lays bare the broad strokes of a wrestler's character. At their best, wrestling theme songs can be so evocative and iconic that the first few notes can bring an entire arena to their feet. And at their worst, they're pretty fun too. I've assembled a whole syllabus of themes, from goofy to great, and we're going to listen to them and discuss them. Today, on I Hate Wrestling, it's theme songs.
1: The beat goes on. You hey, do the I got you Turkey next. Yeah, you do the I got. I do the I got. Everybody
0: do it. Hey. All right, all right, all right. What a satisfying ring. The uh, the Facebook chat uh, phone call sound is.
2: Yeah, just a delightful little like. Brrr.
0: It's a, yeah. It's a trill. It's almost a purr.
2: Yeah, yeah. Very, very
0: lovely. It's soothing. Yeah. So, you know what the frequency of a cat's purr stimulates healing.
2: Is that true?
0: Possibly. <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't say it was true. I asked if you knew. <laughs>
2: oh. oh. Like when, when you asked if I knew, I was like as in a did you know like a, i did, i did not know like, like a snapple
0: uh, fact it's a it's a snapple fact and i'm not sure if it's a true or false snapple fact i guess def-
2: sounds plausible
0: yeah listen you know a lot of people do you know either mythbuster
2: you know it's funny you say that <laughs> while i don't personally uh jamie's wife taught at the other high school in my hometown they were local boys uh, and on at least <laughs> they were good old occasion, boys
0: never meeting no harm
2: <laughs> on at least one occasion i saw them eating lunch at the burmese restaurant when i was in high school <laughs> so they're probably not hard to get a hold of
0: especially now that their show is canceled remember when they shot a cannon through a guy's house and got canceled <laughs> for all of the reasons that television shows have been cancelled over the years I would have to say Mythbusters had the best reason
2: yeah like I, and I'm wondering you know did, what, what did the guy say to the cops Oh no, I don't want to press charges I just want to take their show off the air
0: yeah it was like I, I assume the guy was like who the fuck is out here shooting cannonballs through people's houses and they're like I think it was the Mythbusters and he's like Oh really? Well that's kinda cool. Alright. Oh man, I don't wanna
2: I don't wanna have to do this. <laughs> what if that what if they then go on the run and it becomes like a, a lay miz situation where the cop is Javert and he know he doesn't wanna have to do it, but it's his duty to arrest the MythBusters.
0: Busters. Okay, so let me let me pitch this to you. Lame Miz Busters.
2: Ho ho,
0: ho. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing this as an animated series, and then I realize that I'm just imagining Lupin the Third.
2: I am writing this down.
0: <laughs> yeah, so all you gotta do is, like, go to the Burmese restaurant near your old high school and, and you know, leave this script lying around. <laughs> and Despite
2: the fact that they famously... They, they they will they will they will team up for an animated series.
0: Oh, that's right. They're one of those uh, like pen and teller teams that like have great chemistry but don't actually enjoy spending time together.
2: Yeah, like they, they don't they don't hate each other. They know they work well together. They don't socialize.
0: Yeah, that's uh, um, I think this is pen and teller that I'm thinking of. Where there's an interview where one of them. I have to assume Penn says that uh, like, yeah, we're, we're best friends functionally. And we're like the most meaningful relationship in the other person's lives. We just don't really like each other that much. And it's just like, that's fucking wild. I'm unfamiliar with that.
2: Yeah. I, I can't think of of any like super meaningful relationship in, in my life where I know things are better if I don't spend time with them.
0: Yeah, it's fucking weird. But th- then again, to say, uh, to, to go back to the Les Mis situation, you know, rivalries can be that way, right? You've got this, uh, this person in your life and you both bring out the best in each other, but you just super don't enjoy each other as people.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sort of a. Uh, I mean, every every Batman needs his Joker.
0: <laughs> so who is uh, who who is the Joker? Is it is it Pen or Teller, or is it uh, or is it Adam or Jamie? I guess uh, I guess Adam is definitely the Joker, right?
2: Yeah, Adam. Adam's the Joker. I think I think Pen is the Joker. I think
0: Teller is, is the silent guy that just <laughs> he know, he knows what he has to do. He'd rather <laughs> not do it.
2: But, but he will he will do it,
0: because he's, he knows he must. He's not the hero that we deserve, but he's the one we need right now. Exactly. <laughs> Man, we are already far afield. We have not even... First of all, Jason, welcome back to the show.
2: It's great to be back,
0: as always. <laughs> <laughs> We've immediately jumped right in to... I was going to say the deep end of the pool, but essentially someone else's pool. This is someone else's podcast that we're splashing around in right now. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Fraught Partnership Podcast. <laughs> um, but we're here today to talk about uh, music in pro wrestling, but specifically entrance music which is kind of like th- sitcoms and pro wrestlers have theme songs that's like the two major entities that have this you know most and,
2: two- and and 2000s dramas
0: yes yes and i think the main idea is the same which is hey we have a relatively high concept thing that we're going to present to you, but we don't want to establish character relationships and character alignments every time this entity comes on screen. So we've written a short piece of music to give you sort of the cliff notes version of the character or property that you're about to engage with. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, Is it, uh, Norman Lear, who was infamous for doing this with theme songs for sitcoms? Like, he did, uh, Gilligan's Island, I think, which is the most expository theme song I can think of. Uh,
1: Gilligan,
2: no, so that wouldn't be Norman Lear, that would be, uh, Sherwood
0: Schwartz. Sherwood Schwartz, that's right, that's who I was thinking of, who did not, uh, that's right. Uh, Norman Lear was like the
2: uh, all in the family the high, one day at a time. Right,
0: the high culture version. Nor uh, Sherwood Schwartz is like the uh, the the bowdlerized sitcom guy. Right, he's uh, he's Gilligan and Brady Bunch and shit. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes, and Brady Bunch also has an extremely expository theme song. That... Yeah, I, you
2: know, you, you everything you need to know about the Brady Bunch, you get from the theme song. And actually, I it's it's not a terrible idea <laughs> when it comes to new shows because so many uh, you know sitcoms have like a weird pilot where they got to pack in a lot of exposition. Right? Why not just just put it all in the theme song? We get what it is, and then we can, we're can. we just on board with the concept. Fairly odd parents. They spelled it out in the first 40 seconds, and then, cool. We, we don't have to understand anything else. We're like, cool, he's got fairy godparents, and that's how this works, and now on to the adventures.
0: Right, and pro wrestling is similar in a way because these are all very exaggerated personalities, and you're going to want to know something about the personalities at play before they lock up. Like you want to save as much time. You don't want to have to do an, uh, extended feeling out process and, you know, Oh, well, how does this guy react to the, to the crowd? And how does this guy react to his opponent? Maybe besting him in the early goings. Like you want to have a way to give people information about these guys as they're walking to the ring. And the theme song is the way to do that. That said, how many theme songs did we listen to for this? Like 15?
2: Yeah, I I think, yeah. At least well over a dozen.
0: Okay. And how often would you say things went off the rails? How many times did these theme songs raise more questions than they answered about the people that there's, we're theoretically going to see.
2: There's only one, which, which we'll get to where I immediately just said that the only note I wrote was succinct.
0: <laughs> Is it, it, can I guess, was it, uh, was it Steven Regal?
2: It, uh, uh, no, it was not Steven Regal.
0: Was it, was it Billy Gunn?
2: It was Billy Gunn. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> well, let's get to Billy Gunn later on because I don't want to ruin the yes. surprise. uh, eh, it may tell you everything you need to know about Billy Gunn. It may raise many other questions about Billy Gunn, and ex- for example, why this is such a, a singular focus of his personality, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yes. Um, I will be the first to say, I chose... The, you know, theme music in wrestling goes back like 70 years. The first wrestler to have... A theme song was the original Gorgeous George, in the in the late forties. A lot of a lot of people will say that he's the first wrestler with a real character. He was the first bleached blonde wrestler. He was the first wrestler to wear a frilly robe. Um, he was the first wrestler to have a manager that cheated to help him win, and his theme song was uh, Edward Elgar's. Pomp and Circumstance, better known as the graduation song, which later on got uh, okay. That, yeah, okay. That I'm trying to imagine somebody coming
2: to the ring to that, and it, it weirdly it works.
0: Yeah, it works to the degree that it later on got ganked by the Macho Man Randy Savage, and became his uh, his iconic theme, which he later updated with like a weird, like butt rock version.
2: <laughs> as as. Definitely seemed to happen with everybody around 2002.
0: Yeah, it's, uh personally, I, I like the original version, even if it raises the question of, is the Macho Man graduating every time he comes to the ring? <laughs> and weirdly enough, he actually had a brother named Lanny Poffo who was named the Genius, and his ring attire was like a graduation robe and a mortarboard. So... Very threatening. Yeah, very threatening. He would write poetry on a Frisbee and then throw it into the crowd. <laughs> very weird wrestling character. But I I will say I've picked an eclectic mix here. I haven't picked... I've picked some that I think are genuinely good songs. And even if they don't have lyrics, give you a pretty good indication of what you're going to get with the character. There, right. there, are some that are kind of, um, you know, so bad it's good, and some that are just fucking bizarre that I, I, I want to dig deep into why this was written and who the fuck thought this was going to be anything other than a distraction, but I, I don't know. Before, uh, before we we dig into the uh, to the individual tracks here do you have any uh, do you have any larger thoughts? The,
2: the biggest larger thought and this this I guess is more down to because it, it seems that there are
0: many compilations oh yeah of these songs available for purchase
2: and I guess that sort of answers the question of why are all of these songs like three and a half to four minutes? with only maybe 45 seconds of content. (laughs) So I I have some theme song experience in that uh, this last May, I played keyboards in the house band for the daytime Emmys. And that was a lot of soap opera and game show and news themes that we would play. It would be, could be eight to 16 bars of music that depending on how quickly people could get up to the stage, we would play once and it would be 10 seconds. Or if like, oh, the whole production team's coming up and they're sitting in the back of the auditorium, then we've got to loop these eight bars, you know, a dozen times for four minutes while they all come up. Uh, So I I understand that there should be longer versions just because, oh, maybe it, it takes them an extra second to walk into the ring from the ramp. But that the extended versions don't, go anywhere they just sort of <laughs> they just sort of repeat like who is listening to this and not hitting skip after about a minute like I did
0: so here's the here's the thing some of these are written specifically as entrance music and those ones are like you said just a couple of bars repeated it's like a catchy riff repeated a few times sometimes with a bridge and then repeating right. right and it's because a ring entrance can take a while especially on a big show and like at wrestlemania sometimes people will have these huge theatrical entrances that take 5 plus minutes and what you don't want is the song fading out and restarting so you, they want these tracks to be loopable. So much like, right. much like you when you're on stage, with, and this is the reason that I thought of you for this, by the way, because I know you were, you have some experience with, with, uh, with music and specifically with, with theme songs. Uh, you want to be able to not have the song begin or end or start or stop in a weird place during an entrance because there are some variations as to how long it's going to take when somebody comes out. Right. There have been guys, there was a guy, uh, Jim Johnston who was on WWE payroll for like 30 years. And his whole job was to write theme songs based on a very rough sketch of the character that was described to him over the phone in a Coke fueled frenzy by Vince McMahon. And, Mostly he accomplished this with some, uh, <laughs> some light IP theft, like some, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Um,
2: it's, uh, it's certainly more than an homage,
0: more than an homage. Perfect. A perfect example. Not always a sound alike, but, um, God damn it. What do you call it in academia? Plagiarism? That's the one. Fucking hell. I'm I'm aging. I'm aging, my friend. It is a rough I'm having a rough go of it sometimes with vocabulary. Yeah, we we'll call- I
2: just look I just looked up a picture of Jim Johnston by the way and definitely not what I had imagined.
0: <laughs> he looks like a he looks like a younger Harry Reid, kind of.
2: I was gonna say, like, I'm hearing the speaking voice of Peter McNichol.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see that he he has a. Uh, I'm sorry, Harry Reid is not who I was meaning to reference. Mitch McConnell. Ooh, this. Uh, He's turtly.
2: He he is turtley. Um, if you told me this was Ed Begley Jr.'s brother, (laughs) I, I wouldn't question it.
0: Yeah, he kind of looks like Ned Begley Jr. I, I can... Yeah,
2: he's he's Ned Begley Jr. He's, he's, he's a, he's a dweeb. He's, he's a dweeby looking dude.
0: And essentially what he does is he picks a riff from, uh, you know, A character is pitched to him. Sometimes he'll talk to the performer like uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, famously called this guy. And they were looking for a, a theme that would communicate, hey, there's this violent, deranged, redneck who is also kind of a heroic comedy sociopath. (laughs) And we need to communicate that when this music hits, somebody is going to get their ass kicked. It's a tall order, but this is actually not in our list for today, but Stone Cold Steve Austin has maybe the most effective uh, example of a theme song that kind of tells you what you need to know about a character. It's called. Uh, there's like ten different versions of it, and they're called different things. But uh, I prefer the version that is named after the opening sound effect: glass shatters. And it's he told this guy Jim Johnston that he listens to a lot of Rage Against the Machine, and he produced this heavy riff that's just like. And it's it's got this custom sound effect at the beginning that's like eight different kinds of glass shattering and like a car crash mixed in. It's really inspired work. That said, that's like the best version of this. And we're not necessarily going to talk about the best version of right. that today. Uh, there's another guy who's going to appear a few different times uh, Jimmy Hart, who, if you don't know who Jimmy Hart is, uh, the mouth of the South, baby! One of the great pro wrestling managers. He actually appears alongside the Fabulous Rougeau brothers in, uh, in in their little video that was attached. He also, quote-unquote... Okay,
2: yes, which was a great video.
0: Yes, also, quote-unquote, composed... Diamond Dallas Pages theme, which we'll we'll get to. That one's maybe a little bit more than light plagiarism, but we'll uh, we'll get to that down the line. Uh, any other any other thoughts before we, we dive in?
2: No, let's uh, let's let's get into it.
0: Okay, so the first one I have uh, I have on our list here is. Uh, Biscuits and gravy. Biscuits and
1: gravy. Biscuits and gravy. Made me a man. Oh, biscuits and gravy. Made me all that I am. Ain't no ham and oh. egg.
0: Something you've always been. <sighs> so biscuits and gravy. This is a unique entry because, I, first of all, I think it's a good track. I think it's very rare. Yeah, the, the first
2: thing I, I put down was shockingly listenable.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? It's also got distinct verses, which most of these don't. You know, And I think by,
2: by putting it first, it, it sort of lulled me into a false sense of security of like, oh, these are all the like weird songs that wrestlers found to have be their entrance music. And then everything from there on out was not.
0: Right, yeah, this might be a real song that was sort of retrofitted for use in pro wrestling as opposed to something that was composed specifically for pro wrestling. Right. But lyrically, this is fascinating to me because the conceit here is that Biscuits and Gravy, much like Spinach for Popeye, has made the tag team of Jesse and Festus <laughs> into superhuman brawlers. And that, uh, the lyrics specifically say, Biscuits and Gravy made me a man. Biscuits and Gravy have made me all that I am.
2: <laughs> I. It's admirable that... You know, this really does, you know, as, as you said, you know, the theme song is to describe who the characters are uh, and what their story is, and this really does it. It, it gets into the the kooky backstory of the the Popeye style biscuits and gravy, and then stylistically, I, I wrote down that this actually sounds like what you would hear today on the Sunset Strip on like a Thursday night. If you just wandered into the Viper Room or the Whiskey go it it would be some like weird long-haired hard rock band that plays yeah. this exact song.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound unlike Eagles of Death Metal or something, right?
2: Yeah, it's or like I go to the uh, the NAM convention every year, the uh, North American Music Versions, and uh, and it's you know full of. I, I wouldn't be surprised if all the guys that are on that recording, if it is a bunch of guys, or could just be like one dude in a computer, but it's it's you you'll see like get to meet Rick Spurlock, and it's you know, like and there's like a, a fucking a line around the corner to meet some guy, and all these metalheads are like there with bass drum heads that they want this guy to sign. And it's like, from the band Thuncula. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Who is this person that is supposedly incredibly famous?
0: Rick Spurlock. First of all, if that was intended to be a super deep cut Simpsons reference... It was not. There's an episode where... Uh, Homer wants to take Marge out to dinner and she's like, I don't want to go to like, uh, I don't want to just go somewhere where we always go. Let's make this a special occasion. And Homer goes, Spurlock's cafeteria. It is. (laughs) So I think biscuits and gravy. I mean, what, I guess it, it tells you, Hey, these are two good old boys And they're here to throw hands. They've been made strong and mighty by a diet, a steady diet of biscuits and gravy.
2: Which I'd like to announce here on the podcast, I'm going to attempt a steady diet of exclusively biscuits and gravy. uh, And we'll report back to see just how big and strong I get.
0: Well, you know, there's a few worrying things about this song. Because... These guys are eating nothing but biscuits and gravy. I can tell you, as someone who has eaten a lot of biscuits and gravy, it's not necessarily the best thing for you. And one lyric does say, Close your eyes, something's coming that you shouldn't see. Which makes it sound like these guys are suffering from terrible gastrointestinal woes because they're just eating biscuits and gravy. And it's like they're throwing up a timeout. Because they're like, "Hey, I know we've been talking a big game here, but we're about to shit our pants, and please don't look."
2: Yeah, I know. On at least one occasion, I've I've been you know bent over the toilet having eaten something I should not have eaten, uh, and when a girlfriend has come in to be like, "Hey, are you okay?" So no, go away.
0: <laughs> no, don't you kid? Not like this. <laughs> I don't want you to see me like this. But before, before we move on, I I do want to, I do want to mention one more line, uh, the second or third verse actually, where he's actually waxing rhapsodic about the biscuits and gravy themselves. And he says, biscuits and gravy fit for a King biscuits and gravy, simple and clean. You stepped in my gravy. Now I got to get mean. So is this metaphorical gravy, do you think? Or do you think someone has actually stepped in his gravy?
2: And if someone has stepped in his gravy, where is he keeping the gravy? Was somebody jumping on the table and they stepped in the gravy? Or is he eating these biscuits and gravy off the ground?
0: You know, looking at Jesse and Festus, I would believe either one.
2: The, yeah, yeah, e- eating it off the ground absolutely tracks.
0: Jesse and Festus are like, of Mice and Men, the tag team, which, you know, I guess if I had to pick a Steinbeck novel to translate into a pro wrestling tag team, I guess it's better than The Pearl?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think uh, of Mice and Men definitely lends itself more to a, a colorful cast of characters with, weird quirks and are too strong for their own good
0: yeah but as you say we might have set the bar a little high for the first entry because now I I, I want to talk about uh, our our second our second track which is the theme song for Steven Regal A Real Man's Man he's a man
2: It's funny that, that you had mentioned uh, the Simpsons a minute ago, uh, because my first thought upon hearing this was the Canyon Arrow jingle oh, that oh. Junior sang.
0: Okay, I, my my thought was, uh, Dad, why did you take me to a gay steel mill?
2: That too. It, it was also, uh, methinks me the wrestler doth protest too much.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. He's a man, such a man, he's a real, real man's man. The whole thing is Cap is kicked off with a Flintstones quittin' time horn. Like a steam whistle. Yeah. And then we see uh, Stephen Regal, out in the woods. He's squeezing orange juice by hand, which I never thought of as a stereotypically manly activity.
2: Yeah, the video does like the whole it, it you you saying that now was this one of the jim johnston compositions yes okay because i i'm this definitely then this definitely tracks is like he got two notes on sort of what this character is and didn't get a picture
0: and then just did a bunch of like manly shit and then they had to put a video to it <laughs> note one he's a man Note 2, a real man's man.
2: <laughs> I I genuinely think that it would have been more persuasive if they had used either the Salt and Pepper and Vogue What a Man uh, or even <laughs> just the original Linda Lindell version, but I I think like if I came out and What a Man was playing, I think people would be like yeah, it's a fucking man right there. That's a mighty good, All good man. These ladies about what a man he is. Say it a again. Yeah. Good man, a mighty mighty good man. But if I came out, if I came out to a, a man's man, I, I think I would get a lot of stares and and it would raise a lot more questions about my manliness.
0: So, what what sense do you get of of Steven Regal? Like you've seen him, you've seen him do some things. You saw him mix some cement. You saw him. I don't know what the fuck he's trying to do, by the way. He's in the woods. hes It's not one job that he's doing. He's like mixing cement, chopping down trees, running a bulldozer, and making orange juice. None of this accomplishes any one thing.
2: The only way making orange juice would be manly is if he did it like on The Simpsons
0: by squeezing half an orange over his eye. (laughs) Like Troy McClure. Exactly. For
2: the juice loosener. I... Now, I I would love to have been in the, because I can't imagine that they, I think they must have made the video and the song simultaneously in a way that, like, neither knew what the other one was going to end up looking or sounding like because of how very different they are other than they just got the note of, like, manly things. I would have loved to have been in the brainstorming meeting where they're like all right no bad ideas we just need some, man- some manly activities for for Stephen Regal to be doing and they were like um well he should be in the woods oh that's good that's good um,
0: he should be shaving
2: he should definitely be shaving
0: in the woods yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. shave in the woods that's what men do
2: and then he should he should mix cement. But what? What's he? Why? Why is he mixing cement in the wood? Li- it doesn't. It, it'll look cool. Tr- tr- trust me on this.
0: It's almost like they they did this like family feud style, and then they used all of the top responses, even if they didn't make sense, to to use them together.
2: Yes. Yes. Exactly. Show me orange juice. <laughs> right. <laughs> So that was, that was the fifth response. That was one that only like 12 people said was good, as opposed to the hundred that said cement.
0: <laughs> Here's the most insane part of this um, Stephen Regal, uh, also known as William Regal, had a very well established character before this as like sort of a fussy, uh, fussy English lord. And then they repackaged him... And let me get this... Let me let me make this clear. He is actually an English man. Like, he's not actually... Uh, a... Like, an upper-class twit, even though that was sort of the character he was playing. But they repackaged him as this Ron Swanson character. This pre-Swanson, Ron Swanson character. And it only lasted for, like, two weeks... And then years later, they brought him back as, you know, William Regal, who is this, again, sort of, like, upper-class twit-type character. And it, it's just like a... Have you heard the term big lift alligator moment?
2: I, I don't believe I have.
0: So, have you seen the film Do- All Dogs Go to Heaven?
2: Many, many moons ago.
0: So, there's a sequence in All Dogs Go to Heaven where... Uh, you know, it's all dogs. Of course. And there's a sequence where an alligator with enormous lips just appears and does a musical number and then leaves. On TV tropes, the big-lipped alligator moment is just this sort of non-sequitur that the rest of the narrative has to deal with before moving on. And to me, that's sort of what the real man's man era was to William (laughs) Ricoeur.
2: Now I I'm seeing I, I'm seeing a screenshot. Did he fight himself a few years ago?
0: Did William Regal fight himself?
2: I'm seeing King of the Ring, William Regal versus Lord Steven Regal, and it's the same man with different hair hairdos.
0: <laughs> oh, this is probably from a video game.
2: Oh, that would make a
0: lot <laughs> more sense. Man. Yeah, the, oh, that's the other thing about Stephen Regal is that he's a time lord.
2: <laughs> I mean, you can do a lot with, with the editing.
0: You know? Yeah, sure.
2: Multiple, multiple Eddie's Murphy or Mike's Myers in films.
0: Okay, so uh, from from A Real Man's Man, we go to a sexy boy. I think i Sexy.
1: I've got the look that drives a go while I've got the move that really I said, Chill. Up and down, there it's fine. I'm just a sexy.
2: This has got, just conceptually, this has got Nightman Cometh
0: (laughs) vibes to it. You're right. This is a, first of all, I want to note, this is a Jimmy Hart composition. And.
2: Yes. Was Jimmy Hart also just given very, the, the image that I got from listening to this was that Shawn Michaels said a bunch of shit that he wanted to be in his theme song and they just wrote it down and then they (laughs) sang it back exactly what he said just with a melody without changing a word
0: well you're very close to true you're very close to being 100% correct here I have to tell you though Shawn Michaels is performing the vocals
1: (laughs) oh no (laughs)
2: I also wrote that it, it sounds like whoever singing lead is also singing the, the high background vocal se- sexy boy. Like it, that's definitely a man singing falsetto. Those are not beautiful <laughs> ladies agreeing with the lead singer. That's just the lead singer being
1: like, that's right. I'm sexy. I'm a sexy boy.
0: <laughs> I think the, the backup singers might be sensational. Sherry who definitely does the scream at the beginning. The, the sort of orgasmic
3: ah, oh oh yes, Sean
0: yes. so this is I thought when you brought up the idea of, uh, of of what a man this is essentially like the poorest man's version of that song you know
2: yeah it's let's see if I can find I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the lyrics
0: oh I know the lyrics uh, by heart
2: oh I'm I am sure you do. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I got the looks that drives the girls wild. So that's that's verse one. Uh-huh. No rhymes. I got the moves that really move them. I send chills up and down their spine. A very loose argument could be made that wild and spine are a sort of a rhyme, and then (laughs) I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I make them hot. I make them shiver. Their knees get weak whenever I'm around. Really missed opportunity to rhyme shiver with quiver. (laughs) (laughs) They see me walk. They hear me talk. Okay, we have a rhyme. You got one. I'm... I make them feel like they're on cloud nine. So then the chorus again, and then eat your heart out, girls. Hands off the merchandise.
0: So here's here's something that is fascinating to me. Shawn Michaels performed this song and adopted this song as his theme music like 35 years ago. Okay, this happened in, like, 1991 or something like that, you know? So 35 years is incredibly incorrect. Like, 25 plus years ago. And it was supposed to... He was supposed to be, like, a full-of-himself, shithead heel. And, like, of course he thinks this is a great song that he made. And, like we're supposed to, like, kind of point and laugh. He never gets another version of this song for the next 25 years. He is still coming out to this song today. Like, he doesn't... He's still a sexy boy. He's still a sexy... but He's not even a sexy man. He's, like... He's, like, 60 years old at this point. He's not wrestling anymore, but he comes out, you know... He comes out occasionally to do appearances... And he still struts out very gingerly to this song. And at this point, he looks like Ted Nugent. Like, he's completely metamorphosed into this sort of... Uh, like, he's retired now and he spends all of his time hunting and wears a cowboy hat and flannel shirt and has, like, a big beard. <laughs> and he's still, like, kind of bopping out to the ring to this fucking sexy boy song. And... You know, it's just sort of like grandfathered in. But one of the craziest things I've ever seen was him at some type of like college basketball game. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll do a thing where um, the mascot comes out and, you know, uh, cracks wise with somebody and gets beaten up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mascot comes out and he's like... You know, rubbing his butt on the Houston Spungos. There's another Simpsons reference for you. The Houston Spungos jersey or whatever, and they're and they're like, "Uh oh, who's gonna stand up to the fucking uh, Cantonville Cougar or whatever the fuck?" You know. And then you know somebody famous in the audience stands up and like knocks him out, right? And it's like good, clean fun that definitely doesn't embarrass everyone present. And so on this occasion, they're like, Oh no, who's gonna stand up for the who's gonna stand up for the home team? And then like a fucking spotlight falls on Shawn Michaels, who's just watching this as a civilian, and they're like, Ladies and gentlemen, it's Shawn Michaels from the WWE! And Shawn Michaels gets up. With like a weary sigh. Like his shoulders fall. And it's like... (laughs) He looks so sad that he's being called out of retirement to fight this thing. And blaring over the loudspeakers is Sexy Boy. As this man in his mid-50s is like trudging his way across a basketball court to fight a cougar. And... No one in the audience is like a wrestling fan, or at least most of them aren't, so they're like, the fuck? Is that Ted Nugent? <laughs> Why is this weird sexy song playing? Why is any of this happening? And then he like knocks it out with the with his his super kick finishing maneuver and knocks it out and then just like walks back to his seat and then they're like, Thank you to Shawn Michaels and WWE. And it's just Another big-lipped alligator moment, to be honest.
2: That's oh, that's disheartening.
0: Like, The Rock got fucking 20 different versions of his theme. Like, I The Rock is not on here, even though he has a bunch of great themes, because I couldn't decide which one to pick. But Shawn Michaels had <laughs> this for 25-plus years. Insane. Insane. Wow. So... Uh, from heart to heart, Jimmy Hart to Jimmy Hart. Our our next tune is "All American Boys," uh, the theme of the fabulous Russo brothers. out what i can't quite put my finger on the energy that this has is it like it's like maybe a little bit air supply is that what this is it's 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 a little air supply
2: now i i don't i i don't really know now i I, based on the name i assume they are french canadian or the characters are french canadian
0: (laughs) they are so french canadian they're wearing the the quebec flag (laughs)
2: Yeah, so, initially I was very confused because right off the bat, they are singing in French. Yes. (laughs) And they name-drop Montreal.
0: From Montreal to Memphis, parlez-vous (laughs) français? Tell all the girls, the Rougeau's on their way.
2: And then they say we're all American boys having just name-dropped a a city not in America and speaking French. Uh, Now, I think, now... the more I listened, the more I was like, "Oh, this is sarcastic. Yes. This is all part of the bit." Now, if it had been completely serious, I would have thought, "Like, if you're gonna put French, then yeah, do like a Cajun thing." Like, there are parts <laughs> of the U.S. like where there are native French speakers. Yeah, and that's Louisiana. But uh, I, I guess this is even, even better. And the, the video was just delightful. And I, I think just having grown up in in the age of more. Like, you know, with the biggest wrestlers being The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, of these men's men, uh, to suddenly see these two guys in the leotards <laughs> speaking French was just, it was just the best.
0: And I, it's so fantastic, and the lyrics to the song specifically taunt you with how they're, fla- they're like flaunting conventional attitudes of masculinity. My favorite, my favorite lyrics in this song are, um, we don't like heavy metal. We don't like rock and roll. The only music that we like is Barry Manilow.
2: (laughs) Which absolutely makes sense with their, their character. I,
0: I'm just wondering, were these guys heels? Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. So
2: oh, yeah, because I, I can't imagine they mean like oh the crowd will adore these two delightful roly poly men. <laughs>
0: these two, these two guys who just look like uncles.
2: Yes. Oh my God.
0: And, uh, it's it's Jacques and Raymond, the uh, the uh, the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Uh, perhaps we haven't we haven't really uh, done them, you know, uh, a full service describing them they're wearing tights and sequined like tailcoats emblazoned with uh the fleur de lis, and in the colors of the flag of quebec and one of them has a little mustache and the other one has uh delightfully feathered hair like they're so much fun and actually what they do is uh The characters are like passive aggressive heels and when they first came out they were like we're so excited to come to america we love america yeah we love canada more but yeah we love america right so they would come out one of them uh one of them waving a giant quebec flag and the other one waving a giant american flag and what they did was every week the american flag would get smaller (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is so fucking brilliant and like the one brother is like proudly waving this giant flag like the one you would use in a fucking parade and the other one is just like scowling and waving like a party favor version of an American flag
2: that's like that, that gag in Scary Movie 3 where the cop's hat just keeps getting bigger throughout the scene <laughs> until she like can barely fit back in the police car because the brim of the hat is just so wide
0: yeah sight gags are not utilized enough in pro wrestling I, I feel uh, I feel comfortable saying this more sight gags in wrestling please with
2: like long term payoffs like that
0: yes <laughs> so fabulous Rougeau Brothers uh, great work Jimmy Hart Great work! This is and this is a good example of Jimmy Hart like not mailing it in at all because this is like a solid, like, fun little eighties track.
2: Oh yeah, this like this was a, a delight from start to finish.
0: Yeah, this is like three quarters of a Hall and Oates song. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. So. So, next up is. Uh, is a song that is uh, a little bit, a little bit more modern, although it feels exactly as current as this one from like 1986. And that is, uh, just close your eyes. Uh, the theme for Christian. <laughs>
2: Question for you, just if, if you happen to know off the top of your head uh-huh. how much how much money the WWE is worth?
0: Uh, just a hair under six bill.
2: Yeah, and they couldn't afford Evanescence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was 2005. Daredevil had just come out.
2: But, but when? Okay, when? When did? <laughs>
0: When did the the one evanescent song come out? I don't know. I am gonna guess like 2000, 2003 maybe. Let's see. Uh, I'm I'm looking at Bring Me
2: the Life. Yeah, yeah two thousand three. Okay. So. So by by this point, I'd say their their star is already starting to fall a little bit. Uh, really to just it probably would have been cheaper to hire them to. Write a new song than to license Grammy Award winning song Bring Me to Life.
0: <laughs> so, this is, uh, it's, it's, it's the finest bootleg Evanescence 2005 had to offer, I think, is fair to say. It's just, you're right. It seems like they could have just gotten the real fucking Evanescence. Um,. The wildest thing is that they gave this song to Christian in 2005. Christian left WWE in like 2000, like late 2005. He only had this song for like six months. He went to work for a different company and they gave him a different bootleg Evanescence song.
2: Are they his favorite band?
0: I have no idea. They gave him like a bootleg of, or a sound alike rather of, uh, not, what does it bring me to life?
2: Yeah, that brings me to like a different one. No,
0: it was uh, my last breath.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. The, the other one.
2: I and you know just maybe it was just the, the visuals of watching, watching this clip, and it, with his name that I kept thinking that the lyrics were going to take a Jesus turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I just keep seeing like like a like a sweaty, very serious man the word Christian all over the place. <laughs> and, and this band that I've never heard of called, like, what is it called? The Dollheads or something?
0: Uh, Waterproof Blonde.
2: Waterproof Blonde, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm thinking, like, this is gonna come back to, like, the one time I went to my friend's baptism and was very uncomfortable.
0: Okay. That brings us to perhaps one of the, if not the... Most recognizable pro wrestling themes of all time. uh, Real American, the Hulk Hogan theme song.
2: Real American, real song. When this started, I was like, oh, I I know this one. (laughs) Yeah. This is familiar to me, and it's the only one by, like, an actual artist.
0: Yeah, Rick Derringer.
2: Rick Derringer. Who I I saw with uh, with Ringo Starr's All-Star Band. Oh uh Rick, Rick Derringer who produced the first few Weird Al records. Rick Derringer, the lead singer of the McCoys, Hang On Sloopy, which is the official rock song of the state of Ohio. <laughs> This, this man has, has cred. He has a legacy. He, he made rock and roll hoochie-coo. Was this song written for Hulk Hogan, or did Hulk just adopt this,
0: like, really quickly? So this is actually super interesting. It was written for WWE, but not for Hulk Hogan.
2: It is it is vague enough.
0: It was written for a, a, te- a tag team called US Express, and they were like, you know, scrappy, young, white meat, babyface wrestlers. And they loved America. And that was their whole character. And Real American was their theme. And actually, they released an album called, uh, creatively enough, The Wrestling Album. And this was the first of their, their compilations. And... Uh, there's a track on there that you might be interested in called, uh, Captain Lou's History of Music, where Captain Lou Albano explains how music was invented by cavemen. That's an interesting track. But there's also some wacky stuff like Mean Gene Okerlund singing Fruity. Frutti. Okay. Yeah. But, also on there is, uh, Hulk Hogan's first theme song was Eye of the Tiger, uh, because he was in Rocky Three, so he right. picked Eye of the Tiger as his theme. So then they figured out uh, it was expensive as shit to, to get the rights to that song in the mid-'80s, so they decided they were going to have a song written for him. And the song that they actually had written for him, which was called Hulk's Theme, was actually... Um, I don't know if it's a sound-alike or just like a cover without lyrics, but it sounds exactly like... Uh, bonnie tyler's ravishing and it and it has like people clapping on the beats and chanting hulk and that was the original hulk's theme and it shows up on the wrestling album as hulk's theme and real american is listed as the theme of the u.s express and i guess before the album was even released hogan was like no i want real american that's the better song And he was right. And because he was the biggest star in the company, they essentially acquiesced and gave him the theme song that these other kids had. And, you know, it was the 80s and these albums had already gone out, including, like, some studio chatter on the, uh, like, because the conceit is that Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura are in the recording studio and the wrestlers are coming in to record their songs, so there's some occasional, like, chatter, and the um, the announcers are, like, commenting on the music. Like, you have Vince McMahon recorded talking about Hulk Hogan's theme as a song other than Real American. It's so weird. It's so weird.
2: Turn the headphones up, brother. I want to hear what's coming out of the can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um... My favorite thing about... First of all, Real American is a great track. It's so catchy. And it has one of my favorite lyrics of all time, which is... I feel strong about right and wrong. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not necessarily a moral position. It's just letting you know that he's got feelings on the subject.
2: Yeah, you know, he, 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 he feels... Those feelings exist. He's not going to elaborate on them.
0: No. Which uh, what we would later find out about Hulk Hogan's feelings is probably for the best. Any other thoughts about Real American?
2: I it's it. I mean, we've we've done uh, one, two, three, four, five. So this is the the sixth song, and maybe like the d- depend You yeah, know, it's like the second or third real song, depending on how you feel about All American Boys.
0: <laughs> I would say All-American Boys certainly could be a real song. I want to say Jimmy Hart actually got into wrestling through music. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Hart was a vocalist for the Gentries. Um, oh. Sold a million copies with 1965's Keep on Dancing. So Jimmy Hart also had at least some uh, some musical cred. Oh, also in September 2007, he appeared on an episode of The People's Court as a witness. That's fucking wild. I didn't know they had that. I wonder what he witnessed. (laughs) We'll never know. I guess that brings us to the theme song for one of my all time favorite wrestlers, Diamond Dallas Page, DDP. The song is called Self High Five.
1: Self High Five.
0: This smells suspiciously like Teen Spirit, huh?
2: It, it definitely—it's more than just a, a faint whiff of, of Teen Spirit. This definitely has a, a large Teen Spirit odor.
0: This reeks of Teen Spirit.
2: <laughs> How did they
0: not get sued? <laughs> I don't know. I assume. I assume by citing like the uh, the Vanilla Ice principle, you know. Like, you throw one note in there, and it's fine?
2: Yeah, which I, I'm pretty sure Vanilla Ice lost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, maybe they threw in two notes.
2: It's, it's I mean, it's... The, the, the Robin Thicke debate is, is difficult for me, because I think he's a trash person, but also know that as a musician, it's dangerous territory when you try to copyright a groove or a feeling or a sound.
0: Right. Where
2: if the song on paper music lyrics are, you know, chord changes completely different, different melody, then yeah, legally it has to be but this is just this is too close for comfort.
0: It does have some things that Nirvana does not have, which is a bunch of audio clips of DDP saying the worst catchphrases you've ever heard.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe Kurt Cobain would still be alive if Smells Like Teen Spirit had more catchphrases in it.
0: Yeah, maybe if, if somebody had taught, uh, had taught Kurt Cobain to, uh, high-five himself. You know, he would have, uh, he would have been able to pull through.
2: Yes, a self-high-five instead of, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's 1,000% Smells Like Teen Spirit. This is another Jimmy Hart quote-unquote composition, by the way.
2: I was gonna say, you can't, call it, you can't really call it a composition. <laughs> it's, this is a composition the same way that you building a Lego set following the instructions exactly is you creating something.
0: Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's egregious. Uh,
2: paint, paint by numbers or yeah. something.
0: What, what, what is what is your favorite uh, DDP vocalization in this song? I can tell you that my favorite is "too cool," which is a lie.
2: In, in this, yeah, he he does yo get ready to feel the bang.
0: Yeah, that's his catchphrase. That's one of his many yeah. catchphrases.
2: Yeah, that that one, I I definitely had some questions about get ready to feel the bang. Is the bang?
0: like a like a batman style like you get punched or is this because he is also a sexy boy <laughs> i think it's supposed to be the former but it definitely sounds more like the latter and it got so much worse when he decided to start using bang as a verb
2: if, oh god if i was about to climb into bed with uh, with the lovely young lady and, and said get ready to feel
1: the bang
2: uh <laughs> I I would be climbing out of bed just as quickly. Yeah,
0: nobody would be feeling a bang that night.
2: Yeah, Uh, I would be be sent home immediately. (laughs) And and go to bed without dessert.
0: (laughs) It got worse. Like I said, he started to at one point just use bang as a verb instead of like... as a noun. Which is at least kind of defensible. But when you get to the point where you're saying... I'm going to drag Hulk Hogan into the middle of that ring and bang him right there. That's a different thing.
2: Oh, no.
0: <laughs> Moving on from cool um, and from people who are, are, seem to be genuinely uh, good people in real life, we move on to Vince McMahon and his theme song, uh, No Chance. Let's go, Let's go.
2: Rage against common decency. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I dare you to describe the genre of this song.
2: It was I, I will say for for a minute, just a minute, delightfully funky. <laughs> and and then it, it the, the delight went away. It was like something out of a, it was like something out of it you see a dancing clown and you're like oh cool there's a dancing clown and then it gets a little closer and a little closer and you're like oh oh no oh this is very bad oh, oh no i will do literally anything to get out of this
0: <laughs> to me it has the singular sensation it sounds like you're listening to a limp biscuit song at like half speed
2: yeah, yeah, like, like a, like, like a, not just a limp, but like a really lethargic biscuit. Yeah, a flaccid biscuit. Flaccid biscuit—that's the word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, if you had to imagine what Vince McMahon's theme song sounded like, you probably wouldn't imagine this, right?
2: I wouldn't have imagined anything that would have even the slightest amount of like black cultural influence.
0: Yeah, he's a fucking like, 70-year-old Republican billionaire, in what universe is this his theme song? <laughs> and what, in what world should his theme song contain the lyrics, come on, come on, come and get it? Mm, yeah, come on. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah.
2: Come on. Yeah, this was, this was upsetting from the start to the <laughs>
0: They'll probably play the shit at his funeral.
2: His funeral is going to be televised the way that Jim Henson's was. <laughs> but, but I'm not going to be crying watching Vince McMahon's.
0: No. Uh, one of my, my my good friend, Jinx Strange, once said it in one conversation we were having about Vince McMahon. Uh, he said, It's like your worst uncle is the Willy Wonka of the whole world.
3: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: Uh, oh man! Oh man! I'm I'm so excited now. We're 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 getting to the we're getting to the point. We're getting to what you initially described as the most effective pro wrestling theme on our list, based on the fact that it told you everything you would need to know about the character.
2: I do really want to talk about Billy Gunn. Yeah, I
0: want to talk about Billy Gunn. Yeah, let's. Uh, oh, ass, ass. Let's talk about the song, Ass Man. I'm a ass nice man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm an
1: ass man I love to love them I love to kick them I love to shove them I love to stick them Love to blunt them I love to watch them I love to pick them And I'm gonna kick them
2: brother uh-huh. uh saying saying i need this as a ringtone and he said so here's the thing and he sent me just a little 15 second video clip my brother went to a wrestling match about a week ago it was outdoors i think in oakland uh he sat ringside and he saw billy gunn <laughs> wrestle cal jack
0: <laughs> i have no idea who cal jack is but
2: <laughs> Neither- Neither do I, but I, like, I sent him this thing, and he was like, oh, here's the thing, I just saw Billy Gunn wrestle.
0: Billy Gunn is, is also, like, pushing 50, and is in phenomenal shape, by the way.
2: He, he looks, like, no, like, my brother didn't even say it was Billy Gunn, he just sent me this video, and looking at the video, and then at the photo used
0: of (laughs) Billy Gunn in, pink short shorts (laughs) with uh, lips on them covered in different colored lips
2: uh yeah it's clearly the same guy he he looks amazing uh and he's an ass man
0: he's an ass man oh he's an ass man
2: the only lyrics and i mean this song how, how long is this one three and a half minutes
0: well hold on let me let me just correct you those are not the only lyrics He's get, he gets pretty specific. He says things like, <laughs> So many asses, so little time. A little tight one could stop me on a dime. <laughs> buns of glory, buns of steel. <laughs> My eyes will give away the truth of how I feel. <laughs> I walk behind you, I feel the heat.
2: <laughs> now, is, is this him singing as well?
0: I don't think so.
2: Because it is written in the first person, it is which, which we 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 have only heard a couple times, like a real man's man uh, and sexy boy. Right. Uh, and everything else has been more generic or like setting the vibe. But this is like you know, I, I'm not going to talk about my my wrestling prowess. I'm not going to talk about how many men I can take down. I'm just going to tell y'all that I love. A good ass.
0: Yeah, and he's not specific. He's not even like, I love ladies' asses, I love men's asses. It's just asses in general. He's like uh like Kramer, an ass man.
2: Does this come into play with his wrestling at all? Does he have any butt focused moves? Does he like stick stick his face in other people's butts and then that just kind of makes them uncomfortable?
0: believe it or not the development of the ass man character was somewhat organic okay so he was in a tag team the the
2: best asses are always organic
0: (laughs) organic grass-fed ass um so billy gunn was in a tag team you got billy gunn and jesse james they're called the new age outlaws they were a really popular team in the late 90s they eventually acquired the names The Road Dog, Jesse James, and The Badass, Billy Gunn. And one day, as like, uh... just like an off-the-cuff goof, uh, The Road Dog refers to himself as Mr. Dog and his compatriot as Mr. Ass. (laughs) And, which is, you know, a fun line. And... They WWE liked it so much that they changed his name from the Badass Billy Gunn to Mister Ass Billy Gunn, and then his fondness for asses just became his one character trait over time. He was he suffered flanderization. I have one one final note on the Billy Gunn theme, and that is, if you sort of get rid of the lyrical content, this sounds like a 90s sitcom theme. It does. Right? This sounds like fucking uh, the, the theme for uh, Step by Step or Full House.
2: Yes, yeah, for any of those, like, Jeff Franklin tough
0: shows. Yeah, it's the sort of, I like... Just, I just found out that uh, that the
2: drummer that I play with a lot uh, played drums on the theme songs for... Full House
0: and all of those other shows. Oh wow! This I don't know what it is about this. I think it's the weird like throaty vocals that are very of that time period. Yeah. Like I'm not a I'm not a musician myself. I don't know what the fuck to call that, but it seems like that sort of faux. Rod Stewart affectation does that make sense
2: yeah yeah like a not quite a hair metal sort of a power ballad voice even the song itself isn't a power ballad
0: right it's like acoustic David Coverdale
2: yeah it's it's uh, it's very journey influenced
0: yeah but also very gentle I don't know it's fucking weird and it was it's very weird that that was like a thing for a minute
2: you hear that? Yeah, I, who hears that song and and thinks, like, oh, shit, here comes trouble?
0: <laughs> no, it's more like, man, I never knew Dave Coulier was so into asses.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, Alanis Morissette never mentioned that part. Well, based on the things she did mention, that would be the, the least of her problems. <laughs> Okay. Do we have any more thoughts about uh, about Billy Gunn, Mr. William Gunn?
2: I I think I think we've, like I said, the the only thing I wrote was succinct.
0: Yes. Okay. So then let's uh, let's move on to uh, Destroyer, the uh, the theme of Samoa Joe. Your name, Joe. Where's your family from? Samoa. Well,
2: like what? What was on on Parks and Rec? The uh, I, I think his name was China Joe, the uh, the sound effects guy for the the morning zoo radio show. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like it was funny on that because that's a comedy. I mean, you know, like, yeah, obviously that's really dumb. Who would ever call their character? You know, ethnicity Joe.
0: <laughs> it's not even, he's not even Samoan Joe. It's Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. And it's and like,
2: it's, it's like getting like a, like a, like a chamoca pie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's Samoa Joe and his tag team partner, New Zealand Mike. <laughs> yes, I, I I mean, the chanting
2: was the only Samoan aspect of this. Everything else would have been like if if the UPN had rebooted Dragnet in 1998.
0: Yeah, I get that. It's the horns, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's like it, it's it's a crime show
0: vibe, but then with like a, a hip hop beat, and it's like yeah, slightly slightly funky
2: a little bit little
0: bit honestly what it sounds like to me it sounds like the soundtrack to a Godzilla film is mad at you and is getting ready to climb through your speakers and beat your ass
2: yeah yeah they a, a wonderful personification of of a groove as as a theme song like this one this makes sense it's it's effective. You it gives you a vibe of the character. It's you know intense. It's it's kind of beefed up. It's vaguely threatening. It give, it gives a nod to the heritage of the character. Uh, I I feel like I kind of I mean unless I am totally off and Samoa Joe is actually like. This wiry character that is, you know, there's a bandit mask and kind of looks like the Hamburglar, uh, which I did not get from the photograph that came with the uh, with the video. So unless it's an ironic name, like I feel like yeah, I understand what Samoa Joe's about.
0: No, he's a beefy fella. Yeah. No, this uh, this actually reminds me a lot of a specific Godzilla track, which is the track is called Godzilla versus Angirus. Um, it is by the uh, the Japanese composer Masaru Sato. It's pretty funky, also. I I. It seems like a really weird specific thing for them to crib from, but it kind of seems like that's what they did. It's certainly certainly less uh, obvious than the Nirvana plagiarism yeah but who's to say?
2: I mean it's possible you know there have been you know times where I'll, I'll hear a song that you know definitely sounds a lot like another one but I just can't imagine it would have been
0: intentional. Like how would they have come across this? So I mean there's a, there's a, a monkey song that came out on, on their last record
2: just a couple of years ago that has an identical melody to a song that I wrote. But there's no way that the monkeys would have heard a song that I like wrote and recorded when I was 18.
0: Yeah, like
2: in Garage Band, like not not a chance. It just you know, it should happen sometimes.
0: Well, did you check the did you check the the bushes for Peter Torque before you started recording? <laughs> I, I didn't check for uh, to check for a, a Torque sighting. <laughs> Well, that's that's how we get all the uh, 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 music. Shalom may his memory be a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> is Peter Tork no longer with us? Did we lose Peter Tork?
2: We we lost Peter Tork just a couple months ago.
0: Oh my god, truly this is the darkest timeline. It is. Okay.
2: What what is what does this bring us to?
0: This this brings us to uh Glorious Domination. Uh the the Bobby Roode theme.
2: Oh not not uh, gold dust?
0: Oh, did I have gold dust on there?
2: You did have gold dust on.
0: Great, that. let's talk about gold dust.
2: the storyline and could not. So also very much like a soap opera. <laughs> I do.
0: I do love that the theme uh that I'm sorry, the, uh the video starts with shattered dreams productions. Like there's a production company involved with this pro wrestler.
2: Yeah. Ju- but just the one pro wrestler. It's not an in-house WWE team. No, no. It's just.
0: Correct. And that's all part of gold thing. He's like, he's, Obsessed with... The character is obsessed with classic Hollywood. He looks like... He wrestles in like a gold unitard. He's looks like a living Oscar statuette. And he comes out in these gold robes with feather boas and like uh, platinum blonde wigs. It's this whole thing. Rather than a manager, he has a director. And she sits in like a canvas chair. Smoking a giant cigar. It's like a whole thing. At one point he even had an usher... Who carried the chair for her? Yeah, Goldust is.
2: This seems to be the, like the, the the first character to sort of like lean into the fact that pro wrestling is soap opera with like more masked
0: fighting. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Goldust is—he's all up in that shit, and I—I I like that. Uh, there's like some uh, there's like some piano in this I think that you don't yeah. you don't normally hear that in a lot of uh, pro wrestling themes with the exception of Bobby Roode which we're gonna talk about in a minute but yeah. pro wrestling music is like super percussion heavy and super string heavy you rarely hear well I guess uh, piano is also strings but you know what I mean yeah it's like it's very it's very rare to hear that and it gives gold dust a very specific and different feel than all the other characters which I think is intentional
1: yeah
2: yeah it was def- definitely uh, especially coming after you know a, a lot of these you know kind of remixing or butt rock like oh and then here's just something that's there and now for something completely different
0: right yes and he's very much a, the Goldust character is like a commentary on on pro wrestling in a lot of ways. Like pro wrestling is homoerotic in some pretty obvious ways that nobody ever comments upon. So the Goldust character is homoerotic in other ways that is commented upon. You know, he he's very much a character who points out the some of the weirdness of pro wrestling as an art form that. Doesn't get pointed out otherwise, right? And I think the theme song does a uh, does a lot to uh, does a lot to to facilitate that. Yeah, solid choice. Gold Dust is uh, Gold Lust, I believe, is the name of the track. And uh, which
2: yeah yeah I mean he he saw it he went for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that so that does bring us to uh, to glorious the Bobby Rude theme.
2: at the disco (laughs) i i would believe you
0: the what it reminds me the most of is um the flash gordon soundtrack
2: oh yeah it's 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 got it it had a queen vibe for sure with those those stacked harmonies definitely the the bombast of of the flash gordon soundtrack but with a, a contemporary thing that I actually I couldn't decide if it was panic or if it was fun.
0: I think I think it could go either way.
2: Because it, it definitely sounded like somebody that loves Queen but doesn't understand Queen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there there's actually an interesting story about how Bobby Roode got uh, got saddled with this with this tune, because remember I said they. Will sometimes ask the wrestlers to talk to the, uh, you know, the music people and describe to them what kind of music they like, help project that energy. Yeah. And the reason that I included "Glorious" is that this song was originally written for Shinsuke Nakamura, and we have two of his themes coming up. Now Shinsuke Nakamura is a huge Michael Jackson and Queen fan. And, ah. and that informs him uh, in his sort of stage presence. And so he's the bombast, right? The, um, yeah he's very uh, arena rock as a personality. right. And like it's it's uh, a charisma thing. And you could see how body language wise he's embodying Queen in that way like the spirit of Queen, and I guarantee, they've never come out and said this, but it's, um, I've read interviews with both Nakamura and Bobby Roode where Nakamura says that he told them the kind of music that he liked and they wrote him a theme that he hated. So they went back to the drawing board and came up with something else, and I read an interview with Bobby Roode where they're like, how did you wind up with such a cool theme that everybody likes so much? And he goes, Weirdly enough, it wasn't written for me. Somebody else turned it down and then I got it. So yeah. it's so yeah, put
2: two and two together. Yeah,
0: you put two and two together, and especially with you saying, Yeah, it sounds like somebody who doesn't understand Queen tried to write a Queen song. Which is exactly why Nakamura turned it down, because it has some of the some of the sound qualities, but none of the None of the artists, really. Yes, exactly, and that's and that's Nakamura. He's he's an artist. So, you you wrote like essentially ten seconds of a Queen song and looped it, and that's that's fine for Bobby Roode, who honestly is, he's a solid wrestler, but doesn't have like a ton going for him personality wise.
2: Yeah, where where you need to make the music do more of the heavy lifting.
0: Right. So, what this song really needs is some more fucking variation. Because I think there's, like you said before, like there's maybe 30 seconds of content to these things, to some of them anyway. This is one that could definitely use maybe 50 seconds of content before it loops.
2: Yeah. Like, like give him the chance to get most of the way to the ring.
0: Yeah, it doesn't... It, what it's missing is the epic scale of a, of a Queen song that has this feel to it.
2: Yeah, it doesn't have to be a multi-part, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody thing. It, it just needs to have more.
0: Just needs to have maybe two parts.
2: Yeah.
0: Or yeah, what it could honestly use is the sort of breakdown in the Flash Gordon theme. Like the spoken word part. Nothing but a man with a man's courage. Just like, I think it could really use something like that. As it is, it's just, it's a good concept and a catchy hook, but that's about it. Yeah. And you and I can definitely see why Nakamura, who again is noted for being such an artist and so interested in the performance aspect of wrestling, would see this and be like, no, I can't. Not happening. So that, that, in fact, brings us to the first of two Shinsuke Nakamura themes on here. Uh, the first being Rising Sun. forever for me speaking of the monkeys the fucking Shrek soundtrack um, oh
2: yeah yeah full circle
0: so the opening like the extended opening version aside I think this is a super effective theme it's extremely high energy you have the fucking strings going crazy you have a uh, like the screeching violin and then you have uh, like so many layers to this and I don't know I think this is a I think this is a, a fantastic powerful evocative theme and even though it doesn't have the the instrumentation and the harmony that glorious does I feel like this captures the epic scale of a character way better than Glorious Domination does
2: yeah it's you know it, it's more in the, the vein of uh, you know a, a good film score as opposed to a to a theme song or like how uh, in, in instead of getting you know the Brady Bunch or Gilligan's Island you've got like the theme for Mad Men setting the vibe or the theme for Breaking Bad giving you just sort of a, an idea of, of the atmosphere that you're going to be in uh, as opposed to just spelling it out for you it's you know this character comes to the ring with this music playing and you're like okay i am if if not completely sold i my curiosity is piqued
0: yes absolutely it feels it's epic is overused but i think in this case it is absolutely appropriate yeah it sounds like something that you would it wouldn't sound out of place during like a battle scene in Lord of the Rings or something like that.
2: Not at all. Yeah, that that would definitely. It's it's a little too metal for Lord of the Rings, but uh, but no, I, I absolutely get get what you're saying there. It it, it has a uh, it, it does it does have an epic vibe to it.
0: Yes. So then, part of the reason that I wanted to include Rising Sun is because Shinsuke Nakamura was well known in Japan. For having one of the catchiest fucking theme songs of all time, uh, called "Subconscious," which is uh, which is our next track, and a lot of people, when he left when he left Japan to come wrestle in WWE, a lot of people were concerned that they wouldn't be able to find a theme song that worked as well as Subconscious because that's how identified it was with him.
2: like it's it's pleasing to the ear it's catchy it does what it needs to do like I have I have no criticisms about it it's it's really effective it, it, it it's catchy I will say it doesn't and and maybe because Japanese wrestling culture is different it, it did seem to be a little less flashy. Uh, and I wrote, it sort of sounded like background music for like a Nintendo game or
0: something yes. like that. When you're, choos- when you're choosing your fighter, Yeah, it's, it's like, so this is what's going to be playing. So that like, you
2: still get, you still feel hyped up, but you can still focus on what you need to do.
0: Yes. Yes. And that is definitely a good read because uh, Japanese wrestling culture is very performance-based over character-based. So, in this sense, they're not necessarily looking to have the song do more work than necessary. And they're not actually worried about, as much, about the song telling you about the character before he gets in the ring. Because they're so much more focused on in-ring storytelling. So, the song is more of a platform to get... Nakamura into the ring where he can then show through his performance what his character is supposed to be. It's like in American wrestling, they essentially treat the theme song like the Blues Brothers car, you know? Right. Like it's going to get you to the ring, but it's also going to blare out a bunch of obvious shit. (laughs) Whereas it's more of a. more of just a moving platform in this case. Right. But. It's still fucking catchy as shit. <laughs> um, and that brings us to, I think, our final song. Yes. Also from Japan. This one is uh, for the legendary Japanese wrestler Minoru Suzuki. The song is Kaze Ni nare.
1: Tu te, tu me,
2: I sort of felt like was sort of the, the opposite of subconscious. Okay. Uh this this seemed to me it was it was significantly more bombastic.
0: Yes. That's true.
2: And and flashy and sort of self serious and I I said I, I it felt like it would belong in like a magic act.
0: This, to me, it sounds like an anime opening.
2: Yeah, yeah, an anime opening. S- something that, like, really... Like, and, and you know, a- anime is great. I, you know, it, I've never been a huge anime person, but, you know, don't don't uh, disrespect it by, by any means. Uh, but it's, you know, anime, as amazing as it is, they, they are cartoons. They and are. they're very well-made cartoons and, and engaging. Uh, and, you know, magic acts, somebody's put a lot of time and effort but it is also—it's a magic act, uh, and so there, there is always something that's sort of funny when, when there's such a self-serious sounding aspect to it. That's like, no, you really gotta pay <laughs> attention to this.
0: Yes. Yes. And it's, it's
2: like was- you're, you're, you, you, are putting knives into a box while a contortionist is hiding from the knives.
0: Well, I mean, uh, that's that's pro wrestling as shit, though. I mean. Pro wrestling is guys in their underwear, essentially doing a, a cooperative gymnastics routine, while they're trying to convince you that it's a you know a struggle, a life and death battle. And that's why this is definitely, you know,
2: while while uh, subconscious was the most inoffensive, this is one of the most effective. Like, yeah, if I if I just needed some music to come out for come out with uh, as a wrestler this would absolutely be one of the things that I would pick. Like, yeah, this is badass. You know, people are going to be like, wow, this guy really knows what he's about.
0: Yeah, it's... It's the... There there are a few things in this that I think really work. One is the female vocalist, which is, like we talked about with Gold Dust, standing out from a crowd. Yeah. Right? Um, I think it helped with uh, the Christian theme as well to help him stand out a little bit, but it was just so... Uh, derivative in that case this is clearly an original composition and the the vocalist whose name is uh, Ayumi Nakamura no relation to Shinsuke she's clearly putting her heart and soul into this performance and this song has exactly the scale that was missing I think from Glorious Domination this you know we're, we're moving clearly ascending in terms of intensity and we're building to this, this, uh, crescendo where she shouts out Kazani nare, which means become the wind. And
1: become the, win-
2: the, the new film from studio Miyazaki.
0: <laughs>
2: <Yes>!
0: <laughs> but my favorite lyric in this is absolutely, uh, the end. And it's a, she repeats the line a few times, which is, I have to be a lonely warrior tonight.
2: I have to be. Not I will be. I have to be a lonely warrior tonight. Yeah, don't I'd love to, but... Uh... Don't even think about keeping me company.
0: Right. <laughs> this is also... It's my all-purpose excuse from now on. Like, somebody wants to invite me out. Ah, sorry, man. I can't. I gotta be a lonely warrior tonight.
2: Well, I don't want to go get drinks now. no, 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 no. no. I'm a, I have to be a lonely
0: warrior tonight. Yeah, no, I have to.
2: <laughs> it is of the utmost importance that I be a lonely warrior tonight.
0: Yeah, I really have no choice, R.E., being a lonely warrior. <laughs>
2: I, I have a few different variations on the kind of warrior I can be at any given time, but tonight i really i gotta bust out the lonely warrior yeah
0: i, I really have to be a lonely... do you think it's a do you think it's maybe a uh a euphemism for masturbation
2: oh oh that would really recontextualize <laughs> this entire song in a way we haven't heard since self high five <laughs>
0: you know when you can't when you can't you know feel the bang <laughs> you've just got to be a lonely warrior
2: that that really uh that i i think i need that on a t-shirt <laughs> that, that that's gonna be that's gonna be some of the i hate wrestling merch a shirt that says when you can't feel the bang you've got to be a lonely warrior
0: tonight uh-huh. oh my god and uh you know, sometimes you, you just eat a ton of biscuits and gravy to build up your to build up your stamina. You really make yourself a real man's man, a real a real sexy boy, if you will. Uh, God forbid anybody step in
2: the gravy. <laughs>
0: <right>. <laughs> yeah, if anybody were to were to step in the gravy, why well, they would have no chance. Uh, God, I'm like going through this to to come up with more <laughs> more references and puns. It's not going I mean, well. Just
2: you know, you know, if you're going to be a lonely warrior, you know, just close your eyes.
0: Just close your eyes,
2: and just remind yourself that you're an ass man.
0: Yeah, and then you'll be uh, you'll be in for some truly glorious domination. <laughs> I just couldn't pull anything else out of my subconscious.
2: Probably, probably for the best. I can only imagine what what listeners are thinking of me.
0: <laughs> Okay, so before 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 we wrap up, Jason, what what was your favorite uh your favorite theme that we listened to today?
1: I it's
2: it's a I think it's a tie between uh, All American Boys and Ass
0: Man, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, could also be an answer to the question, uh, which adult film are you thinking of renting tonight? <laughs>
2: American Boys, or Ass Man. Or or perhaps go to the foreign film section and go for Glorious Domination.
0: <laughs> Rising Sun could also be porn.
2: But uh, Sexy Boy, you gotta go to some, some bad parts of the internet to
3: find.
0: <laughs> yes! <laughs> okay. This has been another episode of I hate wrestling. I want to thank my guest, Jason. Thank you
2: for having me. It's always a pleasure.
0: Of course. It was a, it's always a great time. I want to thank uh, my friend, Corinne Dudenhoff for designing my logo. I want to thank the Nova's for my theme song, the crusher. Uh, I want to invite you dear listener to like, rate, review, comment, subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify. Uh, there's probably another one in there somewhere. Um, this is me at ihate no at ihwpod.com follow me on instagram at I hate wrestling. follow me on twitter at ihwpod uh jason do you have anything you want to uh you want to plug uh
2: anything i want to plug no shows on at the moment uh but just find my stuff on spotify and, and listen to it cuz it's pretty good
0: it's so good that uh, it's so good that the monkeys plagiarized it. it yeah, it's so good that the monkeys waited a good eight years to plagiarize <laughs> one
2: of my songs. They they, they sat on it. Yeah, they, they're like, you know, we can't. If we do it too quick, he'll know.
0: How many monkeys are left at this point?
2: Two. We, we still have Mickey and we still got Mike.
0: <laughs> and are they still performing as the monkeys?
2: They. Now, it, I think it takes really, usually. Well, because well,
0: Mickey and Peter were going out as a monkey, so it's not that it takes three. Okay, uh, yeah. But,
2: but now but now that, that Peter and Davey are gone, it's now uh, the monkeys present the Mike and Mickey show.
0: <laughs> that just sounds like uh, Mickey Mouse has, like, a long-lost brother.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's his cousin. It's his cousin, Mike. Mike Mouse. Mike Mouse.
0: Mike Mouse. <laughs> Did you ever watch New Girl? Yes. This. Did you, do you remember the scene where where Schmidt is uh, is on a date with the uh, I can't remember her name. The uh, Cece's Russian friend.
2: Oh yeah 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 yeah.
0: And he's like, "So what do you like about America?" And she's like, "I like Leon the Panetta. I like Sidewalk. I like Mickey Mouse." He's like, McMouse, what is McMouse? And she's like, McMouse, McMouse. And she's like, (laughs) pantomiming Mickey Mouse. He's like, are you saying Mickey Mouse? She's like, McMouse. And he's getting so furious. (laughs) Well, my, my new thing has,
2: has been, uh, taking, uh, celebrity names and, and changing them just slightly like, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean films.
0: John John Depp. Depp. John Depp, sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We may have talked about this in the last episode, but yeah, yeah. John Depp, Matthew Damon, Benjamin Affleck. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you can you can do this for 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 years. Uh you know, Jonathan Lennon.
0: Jonathan Lennon, Jonathan Cena.
2: Jonathan Jonathan Cena.
1: <laughs> you can't view me. <laughs> is
0: is Jonathan Jonathan Cena your your wrestling character for the week because you know that's coming.
2: I, th- I think it is. It, it's either John, it, it, a Jewish Jonathan Cena. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jonathan,
2: uh, so, somebody's going to body slam me, and I'm just going to guilt
0: them into giving up. John Seder. John John Sader. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, John uh, John, uh, John John Sinai.
3: John Sinai. <laughs>
2: Tell it on the mountain. <laughs>